Good morning. Well, I'm really excited to be following on in our Ephesians series this week. And I have to say, it is one of my favorite books in the Bible. So it really is a great privilege to be asked to talk to you on this particular passage this morning. So as I was preparing for today, God reminded me of this photo. I took it a few years ago in Sherwood Forest, and it's of a hollow tree, as you can see. Uh, And I had a really clear prophetic word for us this morning. This tree is quite confusing because inwardly it appears kind of dead and hollow and lifeless. But outwardly, it is showing signs of life, even growth. I really felt God challenging me in my preparation. Helen, do you sometimes present something outwardly and hide things inwardly? Are you sometimes acting a certain way outwardly to others, but not actually dealing with heart attitudes inwardly? And so this morning, I'm going to take you on some of the journey that I've been on in trying to honestly answer this question myself. And I want to challenge us from the outset to bear this question in mind yourselves as we look at today's passage. So to very briefly recap on where we are so far, chapters 1 to 3 in Ephesians, we've had some excellent talks so far. Paul is writing the gospel story. He is outlining what we should believe. Chapters 4 to 6, they take a change. Paul is talking about our story and how the gospel should be impacting on our story. Last week, Martin really helpfully explained the historical context of chapter 4, and he really did outline the big picture that Paul is giving to the church of Ephesus. It is challenging, but it is incredibly visionary. I'd really encourage you to listen to it if you weren't here with us last Sunday. Um, But today, we are kicking off with Ephesians 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 17 to 32. Uh, And this passage is all about change. Our need to change and God's plan for us to change. So I want to start with two important, important statements this morning. Firstly, change is not easy. If we are really honest with ourselves, none of us particularly like change. It challenges our routines and our habits, and it can be quite challenging at times. But my second statement is far more positive. Change is possible. God has given us all the power that we need to live differently. And that is what this passage this morning is all about. So we're going to start with just the first few verses, which will appear on the screen. Verses 17 to 19. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So I was struck initially by the word futility here. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So I looked up the root word for futility, which is the Latin word futilis, and it literally means leaky. (laughs) That's not a word I would particularly like to be described of personally, but put another way, futility is when you can't see the point in even trying. It's the sense that no matter how much you work at it, nothing good's going to happen, and so you might as well just give up. And it actually breeds negativity and cynicism and passivity. And so you can see actually why Paul is starting with this point. He is saying, if we're not careful, things can lead to futility. 
Paul goes on to say in verse 18, they are darkened in the understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. It's all really doom and gloom (laughs) in these opening verses. And I honestly think this passage should come with a bit of a health warning because essentially this is a bit like a surgeon's report on the human heart. But Paul has really good intentions. He has understood the importance of recognizing the root of our problems. There is no point in going on in this text and telling people how to manage their anger in verse 26 and their money in verse 28 and their tongue in verse 29. There's no point in going on if you don't actually help to understand and heal the disease that turns all these things into futility. And it starts with the heart. So from the outset, Paul is challenging us this morning to be deep people. If we want to escape from futility and negativity and cynicism and passively going through life, then we need to become people who look deeply within ourselves for the cause of that futility. We need to kind of avoid the quick fixes and the superficial, upbeat attitude changes that we can sometimes turn to. Now, you can start to see how that picture of the tree that I felt God prompted me about in terms of presenting something outwardly whilst not dealing with heart attitudes inwardly really starts to fit in with what Paul is questioning in this passage. Are we sometimes in the habit of living our lives while pushing some of those tricky things aside? Things that actually alienate us from the life that God has for us. So, here is an embarrassing photo of me as a child at school. There seem to be lots of these around at the moment. Uh, now, for the purpose of my next point, I actually was going to show a picture of me as a teenager at school, but they were far too embarrassing to show this morning, and so you're settling for me on my first day of school. Um, so you, you'll have to bear with me, but the point is this. I have often been described as having a very bubbly personality, uh, and I remember reading school reports that would say things like, Helen is a lively and enthusiastic individual. Now, this amuses me now as a teacher um, because that doesn't really say what it means. What that actually means is loud, talkative, very opinionated, with a keenness to share that opinion at every given opportunity, whether it was asked for or not. That is essentially what that report was saying about me. But safe to say, I was using that aspect of my character to actually hide other things going on under the surface. As a teenager, I didn't want people to see issues of anger and fear and hurt, things that I didn't want to deal with myself, let alone let other people see. But Paul is calling these very things into the light. He is saying, let's deal with this stuff, because if we don't, we're missing out. We're missing out on the fullness of what God has called us into. Now, I do think that's genuinely quite enough of that embarrassing photo, so thank you. What I have come to realize is that I have to accept that dealing with this stuff is not something I actually ever finish doing. It's not like a tick box exercise, done, I've sorted out my anger now, complete, done. It's not, it's a continual active decision to hear the voice of Jesus and then respond to it. We don't actually want the surgeon to keep anything back. If a doctor said to you, you've got some internal issue going on inside of you and that's starting to affect your other organs and actually you're not functioning properly as a result of this, but we can remove it, we can sort it out. I am pretty sure we would be very active in going to the doctor and getting help. I'm pretty sure we'd be very active in turning up to get the issue sorted. 
And so this morning, if this passage is going to kind of deeply apply to us, we must not only hear the voice of Jesus, but actually respond to it. Respond to it and enter into a relationship where we realize we need to learn from Jesus. Maybe some of us today have not yet heard the voice of Jesus. I really want to encourage you, if that's you today, please talk to somebody at the end of the service. Come and chat to a leader or a friend. But maybe some of us here today heard his voice a long time ago. Are we still listening? Are we still being active? Do we sometimes have, as I say to my students, selective hearing? Have we lost, as Paul says, our sensitivity? I remember um, hearing about a mobile ringtone that pupils were starting to use because it had such high frequencies that teachers could not detect it. So apparently, this tone is called the mosquito tone, and it's too high for people over the age of 25 to hear. Now, a few years ago, I took this test, and I could definitely hear it, and I was very smug. Now, I've just turned 30, and it's very upsetting. I can inform you, I did this test again the other day, and I was mortified because I could no longer hear the frequency. I was very upset. I'm still dealing with it now, as you can see. (laughs) So, very frustrating. But it led me to this this kind of thought process. If our ability to detect the sounds of high frequencies can deteriorate over age, does our sensitivity to spiritual frequencies also fade if we're not careful? Can we start to lose our sensitivity? Let's look at the next few verses. Verse 20 to 21. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So naturally, being a teacher, I read this passage and I started to make sense of it from a school perspective. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him. You see, this is actually about learning. And if it's about learning, it is also about teaching. So none of us are actually born knowing the truth about Jesus. We don't just know it. Just as none of us are born knowing how to speak English or to play an instrument or drive a car, it actually requires not only learning, but being taught how to do those things. I feel this morning that we need to understand the importance of becoming lifelong learners. See, the word disciple comes from the Latin word discipulus, which means learner. You cannot actually be a disciple of Christ without being a learner. I think many people get to the end of their school years or their colleges or their graduation after they've done university and they're kind of like, yay, all my learning in life is done. I can go out and I can live life. And maybe that's because they didn't enjoy it or maybe it was a sense of relief. Oh, it's over. Like we suddenly arrived at the end of any need to learn. But actually, there's a big difference for us when we become Christians. When we hear the voice of Jesus, our response, that's the beginning of our learning, not the ending doesn't actually end. We are called to be disciples of Christ and therefore learners of Christ. And I think this is kind of doesn't matter whether you hear the voice of Jesus at a young age or as an adult. Actually, Paul is saying here in verse 21, be taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Like a student goes to school actively to learn, we have to choose to actively go to Christ to learn from him. Now, I think To really learn requires a particular quality that I am prone to particularly struggle with, and that is humility. Accepting help, or in fact asking for help, is not something that actually comes naturally to me. 
I can handle it, I'll work out the solution, and I want to sort things out for myself, thank you very much, is kind of the response that I would genuinely give. But I'm having to learn to be humble. When we come to learn, are we humble? Humble enough to respond to what we can hear Jesus saying. Verse 22 to 25 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. There's that word taught again. I think Paul is saying something to us here. Now that we have chosen to follow Jesus and to listen to his voice, what's the first thing he's asking us to do? Change your clothes. Weird. What does Paul mean? Verse 25 gives us a clue here because he's using the same word again, put off falsehood and speak truthfully. And so one example of putting off the old self is to put off bad habits. It's to put off the old way of life like lying, okay? And you can see this again in Colossians 3, verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So Paul is kind of explaining the old self to be the old person, the old bundle of attitudes and emotions and habits that I used to be. That's who I was before I was called out of the darkness. But how do we do it? How do we take off the old self? I think verse 23 gives us the answer by being made new in the attitude of your minds. There is so much material on what the Bible has to say about strengthening our minds, renewing our minds, submitting our minds, bringing thoughts into captivity. There are, in fact, at least 100 principles in God's word that have to do with what we are to do with our minds. I think it's an important message, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time focusing on this particular verse this morning. Dave Holden says the following. He says, the way you think affects your attitudes, your hopes, and your fears. The way you think affects the way you react to people, the way you speak to others, and how you handle your job and its pressures. It affects the way you raise your family, if you are parents, and the way you relate to your own father and mother. That's big stuff, isn't it? Those are important things. The way we think impacts big things. And that is why Paul is challenging us. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I don't know about you, but I have a great ability to lie to myself. And I think we all do. I don't think I'm alone in this. We do it all the time. We lie. We tell ourselves that things aren't as bad as they really are. We tell ourselves that things are better than they really are. We tell ourselves that we're doing okay when we're not doing okay. We say it's not a big deal when it is a big deal. We tell ourselves anything other than sometimes what the truth blatantly is. And actually, sometimes if we're not careful, we let our thoughts run wild and sometimes to the point of actually being deceived by them. Now, as a child, I really struggled with nightmares, and this carried on into my teenage years and even into my adult years. I would wake up from a terrible dream, and my thoughts would be completely filled with um, things that made me feel incredibly fearful. And it took me a really long time to actually do something about this, because at first I would just wake up feeling powerless, completely overcome by my feelings. 
So I spoke to Charlie and Yunel, who were my youth leaders at the time, and they gave me a book to read called Battle for the Mind by Dave Holden, who I've just quoted. And I have to say, there are strategies in that book that I still use today. I'd really recommend reading it if you've not come across it before. But one of the most powerful strategies I learned is the importance of combating lies with truth. And I know this might seem quite simple for us today, but actually it is so important. I would spend time remembering verses and quoting scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. To do this, we need to know the word of God. I love how part of the kids' club work here is to learn a Bible verse every week. They have a memory verse that they are given, colour it in, and they spend that time on a Friday learning it. What a brilliant strategy to be equipping our children with. We are literally arming them with truth every single week to take into their daily lives to remind them who they can trust. So I spoke to Ruth and I said, Ruth, what's the memory verse for this week? And it is. Jesus rules forever. This is a beautiful coloured-in example from Bethany. Um, So well coloured-in that you cannot really read it very well, but it says, Jesus rules forever. Revelation 11.15. What a powerful scripture. So, in the interest of challenging us to follow the great example of our children, I thought we could play a little game to encourage us to remember this particular verse today. So I can see some of you looking very nervous already. Don't worry, it's not scary. A letter is going to appear on the screen. And if your first name begins with that letter, I want you to shout out the memory verse back to me. Okay? So the memory verse is, Jesus rules forever. If your name begins with a letter that flashes on the screen... Oh, guys. Okay, so I was talking, it came up. Let's go, let's go back one. Right, let's try it again, shall we? Oh, well, it's just kind of an okay start, but I think, I think maybe we can do better. Let, let's try it again, shall we? Let's go. Okay, and next one. Oh, there was a, some good noise from over here and a little bit quiet from down here, okay? Uh, let's try again, shall we? Let's try another one. Jesus rules forever. Oh, he's very eager. <laughs> oh, I love your passion, Terry. That was brilliant. Yay, okay, very good. I think there might be one more. Is there one more? I think the kids might have to come and show us a little bit about how to learn verses off by heart, but... I think we get the idea. Guys, thank you for humouring me. I realise some of us will have found that incredibly awkward and maybe a little bit childish. But you know what? I was challenged in this myself. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 18, 2-3, that those who would come to him must come like little children with humility and innocence that enables us to hear the voice of God. It challenged me to think, how active and practical am I Are we in equipping ourselves with truth, just like our children do every week? It is important. We need to learn truth that helps us to combat lies. We're going to be hearing in a few weeks um, about the armor of God later on in Ephesians. And what is the sword? It is the word of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Thank you. Okay, It is a powerful weapon and one that Jesus himself relied upon. 
We read in Matthew 4 about how Jesus used the truth of the word of God to combat the enemy's lies. You see, the word for Jesus was so deeply ingrained in his heart that when the power of the Spirit came upon him and it brought truths to mind, he was able to use that truth to combat the lies being thrown at him. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Now, in my mind, the sword has always been my weapon to use against the enemy, and that is true. But this verse makes me think about it in a different way, because it's also able to get to the root of problems that we ourselves need to face and expose. You see, the second part of Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I hadn't looked at it in that way before. It is something that is powerful enough, not just for us to use against the enemy, but actually to cut through into our thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Here are some truths. We are more than conquerors in Christ, Romans 8 verse 27. I am greatly loved by God, Colossians 3 verse 12. I am washed, sanctified, justified, 1 Corinthians 6 11. Why do we need to regularly remind ourselves of truth? Because there is an enemy prowling around, shouting accusations at you at any opportunity he can. It is so important for us to counteract them with God's voice. Because I truly believe that when God moves in, we move on. So in verse 24, Paul starts to talk about our new identity. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Don't you just love the word created here? Because we do not create our new self as Christians. And thank goodness for that. Our new self is God's creation. It's God's handiwork. It's not ours. It's God's supernatural work of grace in us. It's not about self-help or self-improvement. It's not the same old you with a few trusty techniques to help you with things that life throws at you. This is completely new you. You are genuinely made new in Christ. And what makes this particular verse so important for us is the order that Paul explains things in. It's not a question of do this or don't do that. You should be righteous. You should be holy. No, Paul is saying, here's who you were. Here's who you are now. And here's what Jesus is doing. And if you think rightly, you'll walk obediently and you'll live holy. That is an important order for us to hear and get right in our minds. We need to be in reality what we have already been declared by God to be. I'm just going to say that again. We need to be in reality what we have already been declared by God to be. So if our new life in Christ is God's creation and handiwork, then what is our task in all of this? We have to put it on. Okay? We have to be active because when God creates a new heart, he doesn't actually take away our consciousness. We continue to have the ability to follow in the deceitful desires of our hearts or we can choose to follow the way of truth. See, putting on the new self doesn't actually take away our ability to choose. Putting on the new self is allowing God's truth to transform the heart that makes the choices. 
When I first became a Christian, one of the first verses I read was Romans 12, verse 2. It has stuck with me ever since. Uh, You'll know it, some of you. It's do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the definition of transformed is to change completely the appearance or character of something or someone, especially so that that thing or person is improved. Now, I said before, change is not easy, but change is completely possible. So how? How are we made new in the attitude of our minds? I'm going to talk very briefly about four key ways I think we can apply truth that will help us with this. Firstly, action. Okay, we take action. We don't sit back and allow kind of passivity to creep in. What is the opposite to passivity? Passion. How often do we find ourselves thinking, oh, it's this versus scripture again. Oh, I know this. I'm not going to learn anything new this morning. Or, oh, I, d- I tried that. I tried it once to change it, and it didn't change, and therefore I kind of just accepted that that's the way it is, really. Apparently, it takes two months of regularly doing something for it to become a habit. That's a lot of doing something before you can accept that something's not going to change. And when we remember that we actually have the Holy Spirit at work within us, that cloud of passivity becomes much smaller. But we have to take action first. As I said earlier, we need to lay down the futility that Paul's talking about in our thinking. And we need to start by taking an active stand against passivity. Action. Second one, faith. All well and good. We can listen to the word of God. We can even have really good intentions to follow it. But it will just remain words if our heart attitude is not one of faith. If we can receive God's word as truth, if we can faithfully believe what we are actually reading about, the miracles, the wonders, the things that we can see in his word, actually, that builds faith in us and our attitudes begin to change. Faith is needed to take off the old attitude and put on the truths of what Jesus has told us he clothes us in. So to see fruit, we need faith. Thirdly, humility, something I've touched on already, something that I struggle with. I often hear my voice fixing a problem before I hear God's. But Jesus says humility enables us to hear the voice of God. Humility is when we recognize actually what needs to be taken off. Humility is letting Jesus' voice be the first we listen to so we can learn from him. We need to practice humility. I know I do. And finally, devotion. We need to be a devoted people. When God has highlighted something to us through his word, and we've accepted his word to be truth, when we have faith that God is speaking directly to us, actually, we need to devote ourselves to pursuing what is placed on our heart. We need to be devoted to putting on the new self and to doing this on a regular basis. Right, let's finish by looking at verses 25 to 31 together. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehoods and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, 
that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. God forgave you. So let's just recap before we look at these verses. We have been miraculously taken from darkness into light. Not by our doing, but by God's. We've taken off the old self and put on the new self. We have been clothed in righteousness and holiness. And now, Paul is highlighting here the contrast between the old and the new with these practical examples. He's describing what can be seen when we are living out the reality of what we've already been clothed in. Rather than lying, we speak truth. Instead of giving in to anger, we stand against the enemy. We don't steal, we work hard. And when we do that, we share with other people. We avoid unwholesome talk and build one another up. We get rid of the bitterness and the anger and we show kindness and compassion. We forgive just as Christ forgave us. Martin painted the big picture last week about Paul's vision for unity in the church. Do you know, it's really challenging, but there's a reason for that. It's challenging because it impacts not only on us as individuals, but on us as a body. We are members of one body. What Paul is saying here is once you know who you are, you know what to do. So when you wake up tomorrow and you're physically getting dressed in the morning, I want you to remind yourself about how Jesus has clothed you spiritually. I am not guilty. I am forgiven. I am not hated. I am loved. God is not against me. He is for me. I don't need to pay God back. Jesus has already paid my debt. I don't need to clean myself up and work this out on my own. I need to remember who Jesus is, what he's done for me, and I need to live out the new identity he has given me. I used the comparison earlier of a school and how Paul is encouraging us to keep hearing Jesus, to keep on learning, and that this needs to be a daily routine. But for some of us, the image of school conjures up all sorts of memories for us, some positive, some probably not so positive. But Paul is talking about something which is so much more than any school that we've ever been to. It's not some moral self-improvement course. If we sign up with an attitude of working hard to change ourselves, actually what we've signed up to is a school of legalism, not a school of grace. Humbling ourselves to a place where we are ready to listen and learn from Jesus every day, that brings about change in a completely different way. It happens by grace, through faith. It happens in a way that Jesus gets the glory, not us. See, it's by God's grace he creates the new person, and that that includes All of the new attitudes, emotions, and habits, they're ready for us. Our job is to put them on, to be actively choosing them on a daily basis. So the answer for us today is to continually fill the mind with truth. Truth about spiritual, eternal, 
and heavenly realities. I'd like to ask the band to come back up, please. And I just want to finish by going back to this image of the tree where we started. And that initial question, I felt God prompting me as I was preparing. Do you sometimes present something outwardly and hide things inwardly? Are you sometimes acting a certain way outwardly to others, but not actually dealing with heart attitudes inwardly? Guys, I feel like there is a real response today for some of us to make. So the band are going to start playing quietly, and I'd just like us to close our eyes. And I'm just going to share some areas that God's put on my heart for things that I think he wants to highlight to us today. Let's close our eyes. For some of us today, I think there might be people who actually need to lay down certain things. Who actively need to put down passivity or negativity or cynicism that has just crept in. God wants you to be free from these things today, if that's you. Secondly, I think there are some of us who have lost our sensitivity to hearing Jesus' voice first. We've lost that sensitivity to his word. Maybe we struggle to believe some of those truths, those promises he said over us. He is calling you today to put on the truths of who we are in him. Thirdly, the one I struggle with, the humility. Do some of us need to practice humility? To not only hear the voice of God, but to respond and to learn from him. He has so much to give us. Do we need to respond to him today? And finally, I just feel there are some people here who hear God's voice and yet are struggling to pursue what he has placed on your heart, to be active in your devotion to responding to him. He's calling you today. I wonder if we could stand. I'm going to ask Matt to carry on playing. And if you feel that God is speaking to you about one of those areas, I really want to encourage you to come to the front today. I know that feels like a really big step, but God wants to be active. And he wants to meet with us today. So if you feel like one of these things has stirred you, let's start moving now. I want you to start coming forward. Start being active. Start laying down those things thank you people are starting to come already people who need to lay down things that have been held on to that have let passivity or negativity or cynicism creep in have lost that sensitivity to hear you want to hear Jesus' voice first
people who are struggling to pursue those things that he has placed on our hearts. We know he's speaking, we know he's talking to us, and yet we're struggling. We're struggling to pursue it, to devote. It's really brave. It's really brave. I feel like there might just be one or two more people just need to actively respond.